0: Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite.
1: All right, everybody, we want to take a second to talk to you about an amazing sponsor. We have an amazing relationship with RayAllen.com. Ray Allen is a one-stop shop for everything dog, not just working dogs. Everything dog that you need, you can go down there, check them out, RayAllen.com. Awesome people. They got everything you need.
2: Another one of our favorite partnerships is with a dog trip. They've been with us from the start. Uh, great callers, great ball poppers, great GPS tracking, big dog, small dog, bark collars, everything. I got everything that they have at the kennel. We use it every day. Be sure to head them up, dogtrail.com. Listen for the discount code
1: later in the episode. Hey guys, it's going to happen. August 16th through the 19th, HITS is coming back. The HITS Canine Conference in Orlando, Florida, August 16th through the 19th. Get on there. It's the biggest, the best. Check it out. HitsK9.net. HitsK9.net. Get registered now.
2: Take the guesswork out of making sure you're feeding your working dog correctly by using Kinetic Dog Food. Hit them up at KineticDogFood.com and look them up on the Instagrams at Kinetic Dog Food. Take all the guesswork out and do it right from the beginning.
1: We love Horizon Structures. Dude, this stuff is so awesome, man. You can get online. You can talk to them. You could build it. You want from mild to wild. They'll come bring it to your place, set it down on your pad, hook up your power, hook up your water, and you can put dogs in it that day. If you don't believe me, check out some guys like uh, Justin Rigney's got a great setup there. Ask him. Check him out. HorizonStructures.com all
2: right working dog radio broadcasting the bite uh i am ted summers from tulsa oklahoma with me as always is eric Stambro.
1: eric what's up uh nothing just got back from blue line in pittsburgh and woke up the next day uh sick as shit. so uh some some of you nasty booger finger people that were shaking my hands at blue line one of you guys got me sick I have my uh, suspects too. I, I haven't told him yet. share a beer? No, just made out, you know. Um but anyways, uh so yeah, just doing that and I uh, started handler school. This is Tuesday. Started handler school yesterday. Just a one single purpose dog. Quick little uh quick little class. This guy's handled two two dogs in the past. So just banging it out real quick. Um and uh really that's about it just normal stuff man uh, i got these springer spaniels in the kennel and um so i have one's going out to rich on california um the other one i'm not sure yet and the third one i have a feeling he might be too much on birds for me to to do anything i'm gonna have to find somebody that's a springer spaniel bird hunting person that sucks when you get one like that yeah, it. Uh, he he would be in. Listen, indoors the dog will hunt for a toy like nothing, man. He's so good. But you get him outside, and uh, he's the one I that can stand up on his back legs. For like we're at twenty four seconds right now for his. I keep uh, seeing those pictures. Yeah, it's his best time. He did it today, twenty four, and then turned, and and like moved. Around. I was like, this is spooky. Of course he did. If I could teach him to walk like a bunch of walking forward, I would. If I took the time to do that, I'd probably sell them to a circus or something, but um, I can't. <laughs> so I don't have time. But, anyways, what do we got going on today? Um,
2: I have a handler school starting uh, with three handlers, two singles, and it's double under dual purpose. And then I've got some more dual purpose dogs coming in. So I'll uh, we'll start on those as soon as I get here, which should be probably the end of the month. Uh, or I'm sorry, middle of the month. Uh, I'm decoying a PSA trial. By the time this airs, it won't, it'll be a pass, but I'm decoying a TPSA trial out in uh, the Bay Area at the end of this month. So
1: <clears throat> that'll be
2: interesting, another flight. <laughs> Speaking of another flight, our uh, guest tonight, so this is the second time we've done this interview because um, I don't know, like Elon hasn't bought <laughs> Google yet. So it fucked up. So uh, again, on this time is big Ben Lipinski uh, from Tar Heel PSA. Uh, I'm a shit. I'll let him do his and in, his intro. But tonight with us we have Ben Lipinski. Ben, what's going on, man?
0: Hey guys, how's it going?
2: Doing great. It's glad to have you on again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I guess it was uh, just so good you guys wanted to talk to me again.
2: Yeah, <laughs> the video quality is better this time though. So if you're watching on YouTube. Ben sitting in a hotel in uh, Springfield, right? Missouri. Springfield, Missouri. You're out there doing a decoy camp, right?
0: yeah police decoy school um, out here in Springfield we just finished up day one and I'm ate a whole pizza and now I'm back to living the hotel <laughs> life um, got my you know pizza and beer um, I got yes. a couple of these coming up I got another one in Washington State and just wrapped up several sport decoy camps um, over the last couple of weeks it's been a lot of planes a lot of hotels
2: yeah you were in uh... England yeah
0: yeah I spent uh like 10 days in England and three days in Northern Ireland um doing PSA stuff over there um they started like the the UK started like six new clubs during like COVID and no one had been over there to like you know introduce them to the sport so I did a a welcome (laughs) seminar we had like 40-plus people there. It was great. Um, trained with a bunch of the clubs during the week. Flew over to Northern Ireland. Trained with the club over there. Went back to the UK. Did a decoy seminar there. Flew back to the States. Went to work. Did a decoy camp there. Flew to Missouri. You know, living my travel life right now.
2: Yeah, now the COVID's open back up. And you don't have to wear a thing on your face no more.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like
2: It was uh, the weirdest God. It, seriously like I flew to Pittsburgh or uh, yeah, Pittsburgh for blue line. And on the way up there, I was texting somebody. I was like, it's so weird to be walking through the airport and nobody has anything on their face. It's the weirdest fucking feeling in the world. And it's interesting because like everyone's like, oh, I don't pay attention to the news. I don't watch this. I don't do that. I don't do anything else. But I guarantee you they didn't have any signs up that says you didn't have to wear it. But not a, there was like two people that had masks on. And it was like somebody told y'all. Cause so it, it was an interesting like and in, and I'm gonna say this and I don't know how this will be received but it, everyone just seemed like happier. No, like,
0: so I was, I was on the plane <laughs> from Manchester back to um back to Atlanta and we were one hour into that nine and a half hour flight and they came over the the pilot like came over the the speaker and was like. So we just got official word: you no longer have to wear masks on the plane, and it was like you would have think he just saved us from a crash landing. Like wow. every masks, literally, I'm not joking. Like went flying in the air. Like people were done with it, man. Yeah. Last time yeah. I flew,
1: I like, when we got back, I told my wife, I'm I'm not flying anymore until they get rid of the masks. And this was when we knew it was supposed to be like March first, and then April first, and then Biden kept pushing it back. 15 days 10 days 15 days fuck you i was like i'm done with it um i couldn't take it anymore
2: yeah maybe it's because i hadn't seen so many people's faces like on planes in so long but like people were being courteous and nobody was bitching about stuff there was a baby crying and nobody cared and i mean it was crazy I was like, man, what planet is this? So, Because we worked all through COVID and flu. And I was like, well, you know, it is what it is. Like at the height of COVID when there was
1: like no planes and it was still flying. And it was like people were
2: down. So I don't know. Anyway.
1: The downside uh, for a lot of people, though, Ted, is that uh, you you sit in the airport with the mask on and you see a lot of really pretty women. Their eyes are gorgeous. And now they they take off the mask and they look like a sledgehammer she looks like fucking charlie murphy yeah right put your <laughs> shoes on my couch <laughs> it's a nice couch
2: we mm-hmm. ashamed that somebody fucked it up uh so ben uh give us a little bit of your background man
0: uh yeah so um started out as a young kid teenager training hunting dogs um got into hunt tests at like 15 years old with labs um dabbled in some field trial work trained a lot of Gun dogs, working for a trainer, um, was a hunting guide. Like, definitely thought I was going to make that my uh, career path with dogs. And then um, I like got curious about police dogs. Um, to make a longer story short, I got on the internet, found out about Tarheel Canine, um, went there for a three-month program, and that was in January of 2015. And now I've been there for seven. And, uh, half years um working as a trainer. So uh that's what I do now is I train police military working dogs at Tar Heel Canine um in North Carolina. Um trained a bunch of dogs, you know, we're a school for dog trainers, taught a bunch of people. Um, and lately I've been kind of our um seminar and on the road representative for Tar Heel, right? Because Jerry's a little sick of traveling. He's you know, been everywhere.
1: And been doing it, yeah so it's back up to the hunting do you want a springer spaniel i can get a real real nice one
0: (laughs) i have a i have a cocker spaniel of my own right now he's my little uh buddy and hunting companion so i'm all good on the spaniel front
1: the kid jordan that works for me he uh he kept the springers for me while i was out of town in georgia and uh he he has birds a lot of birds and he has a parakeet cage and he brought rafa in the house just to just see And he damn near destroyed the the parakeet cage getting to him. He goes, dude, I was going to kill your dog. He was smashing his face. I'm like, yeah, I told you. I mean.
0: (laughs) Are you finding that, like, departments will buy the spaniels for detection dogs?
1: Well, no, not yet. You know, everybody's hooked on GSPs right now. For the floppy ears. Yeah, labs. You know, a lot of people want labs, as we've talked about. You can get good labs, but hmm they're hard fewer you know harder to find for for reasonable money for a middle vendor like you and me and ted um the springers the springers are there i'm telling you these are amazing dogs what i thought when i got them i was just going to quick flip them but they're not tall enough for like the big companies that do the some of the federal contracts yeah they're not they're not tall they're english springer Spaniels, so they're not i think it's got to be 24 inches to the t- shoulder and these three are, are little. Um, granted, the one, well, two of them can jump about straight up seven feet high. Yeah. They're uh, they're just too little for them. So um, the one's going out to California, I think, to get trained up to work in probation. And um, I, I don't know about the other two yet. So,
0: Yeah, that's always been like my thought. I'm a fan of the breed. And like, obviously, the good ones, you know, can be very good at detection. But it's just like perception i feel like you know everybody comes in and they already have an idea of what they want you know and they're not as willing to like even consider the dog when you bring it out and it looks like a spaniel right like yeah it's like bringing out a long-haired shepherd they're like
1: next next." meanwhile these three have some of the best environmentals that i've seen in a long time you know they they climb stuff jump stuff go in and out of dark thing they're not afraid of anything um the only thing I don't like about them is their little fur will pick up every piece of dirt on the ground and put it right in their crate. Or yeah, in their for sure. I'm for scrubbing. Sure. I'm scrubbing out these crates every other day, just covered in dirt. That sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like little brooms, got, man. We like got little those sticky brooms.
2: We got yeah. those uh, those three GSPs that we. Uh, that litter of, and I've got three of them that we raised from puppies, and we've raised them like Malinois basically. <laughs> like, they'll do some bite work, and, like, they'll bite sleeves. And so, they got old enough to where we're starting them on our box protocol stuff, and they're fucking killing it. It's amazing when, and it's amazing when you raise them, and we started them on clickers and everything else, but we were having like, you know, odor recognition and like. An afternoon with them. I mean, before with almost no work. I mean, they were they're fucking badass. So, I've got two females and a male. Um, Nano, Arrow, and Poppy are their names, and I think one of them is sold. By the time this airs, I'm sure they'll be gone. Is that um, from Aldi? Aldi, yes. Or
1: is it? Wow. Yeah.
2: Cool. That's and they're fourteen or sixteen months old now. So they're wow. They're rock- that, yeah. that went by quick. Right. COVID. So they're, they're like little rock stars. They're going to be, uh, I've got them all working on, uh, narcotics. So yeah, they'll be ready to rock here pretty soon. In fact, I think I sold one to a small department here, uh, about 35 minutes from here, but yeah. So, uh, we sort of hijacked that. So Ben, you did the hunters stuff. hunt. You did, started out in hunting dogs. So when you go to Tar Heel and at the time you go through the three month program, what prompted you to stay? in there
1: and not continue on in the hunting path?
0: Um, Don't say debt either. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: I think honestly, it was just a realization. Like I knew at like 16, right. For sure that I was going to be a dog trainer in some form for the rest of my life. Right. That like, this is what I like. I'm passionate about Wanted to devote my, my time and my energy into. And I think when I spent three months at Tar Heel and saw how much like work Malamas and Shepherds and Dutchies and, you know, like police dogs are, or even like, you know, sport dogs in terms of like PSA, like I think um, I kind of realized that if I'm going to do this, I need to do this now. Right. Cause I can always go back to standing on a mound, holding an e-collar and letting a lab run all over right and you'll run a lab four miles and you don't move a foot right Mm -hmm. like getting in a suit you know even running like detection running tracks I was like all right we need to like do this now because you have a higher chance at getting being successful in this like kind of at a young age and like being you know in the suit every day and being physical kind of being uh like a workhorse and you know getting fucked up (laughs) by dogs um (laughs) I'm like, let's do that. Right. And then if I'm, you know, 30 and broken, we'll just go back to running labs. Right. Um, so I think like, I would love to be in a position to like, at least dabble like competitively in both worlds right now. I'm too busy with like, um, my malinois and shepherds to like do too much with the retrieving dogs, like got this little cocker and he's just we're not going to do anything competitive. He's just like going to be a hunting companion, kind of a weekend warrior. Um, but I'm super like interested in both, um, being able to like train labs and pointers in detection. Um, like, I think there's certain things that like, I understand what makes those dogs tick a little bit better than some, um, being like indoctrinated into those dogs as, you know, a young kid. Um, so Like I've raised a lot of labs and some GSPs from puppies up to police dogs and been pretty successful with those. Um, So that keeps me like, you know, I don't know, like I I like to tinker with things. I need like projects all the time, like project dogs. Um, And I think uh, when I'm older, maybe I'll switch more back into the like bird dog side and just be like, just keep one Malinois for like sport, right. And do a little bit less of this.
1: You know what reminds me of that is, uh, or something, when you're talking about getting older and running the labs. So when we were in um, Blue Line, I talked about this on one of the Blue Line podcasts we did. I sat in uh, Pat Nolan's class, uh, and he was just doing directional and using, showing how to use the e collar and that. And and I, I walked out of there and I looked at somebody. I go, I consider myself a pretty good dog trainer. I think I'm going to quit after I sit through Pat's class. I think I suck. Like, I don't know yeah. shit. I, I'm done, and uh, it's pretty funny. But you know, it's it's interesting to watch him uh, do the labs and, and his love for the labs. And he's definitely at the age now where it's you know so much easier for him. If he was decoying like at the at the the amount of time you spend in the suit, he would uh, he'd be probably directing those labs from a lounge chair out in the middle of his field.
0: Right. Right um yeah like like pat uh pat nolan was a guy that like i think i was probably 15 when i bought like one of his old dvd sets for training Mm -hmm. retrievers and like i mean i read this guy's books i fucking watched his videos like i you know bought a lab from a puppy and pretty much raised it off of his youtube stuff um and then when i was at tarheel um me and jerry got to talking about him and he's like oh like i can put you in touch with him So I drove up to, he was living in Maryland at the time, and I drove up to his place and just trained dogs with him for a weekend. He's, man, like, he's so impressive. He's been, he's been, like, revolutionary for the last 40 years. Like, he was back then, and he still is now. Like, the guy just doesn't stop innovating.
2: No, yeah, he's... And and the stuff that he's doing now, like Eric, the class that Eric went to, it was a lot of like directionals when you can't see the dog, (laughs) and there's some things that they're watching on
1: drones, and
2: yeah, and still being able to communicate with the dog. I and the same thing, like there's a couple of guys that I talked to. We had like right before we had you on, uh, we had Steve White on. He's another one. You listen to that dude talk, and I'm like, yeah, okay, (laughs) I'm fucking quitting. Like and yeah. him and then I sat and talked to Brad Gillespie at Blue Line the same thing. We're gonna have him on. He's another one. And I'm like, every time I hear that dude talk, I'm like, fuck
1: <laughs> back to the drawing board. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Like, like Brad came down to talk, he's another one. He came down to Tar Heel with some of his unit and some dogs for like two weeks, I think. And we were teaching them some like some of our decoy stuff. And then they were training in our facilities that night. And I was like, Can I just Go learn from him instead. Like, why am I teaching? Like, why am I showing him anything? Like, <laughs> just oh
1: yeah.
0: yeah, around and be a fly on the wall. Like, it. I just hope, like, like looking at Jerry sometimes. Like, not to out the man, but Jerry's sixty or close to sixty, um, and he still gets in the suit, way older than me. Like, way like older than I am. A week. And I'm like, dude, in another thirty four years. Am I going to be <laughs> still doing that? I don't know. I hope, maybe, but fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you're in business for yourself, you will. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No shit. Uh, so you decide
2: that uh, you're going to go down this police dog path. Um, and being at Tar Heel means that you're kind of like, it's not forced, but you're integrated into, into PSA. I mean, so... Yeah. As kind of the last standing member of Bradshaw, I was the founder of PSA, um, and I don't know any people that have gone through Tar Heel that don't do PSA or weren't involved in it. I'm sure there are, but I mean, that's the only reason I know them, because they're right. fucking fucking PSA. So um, talk about that a little bit, because we just had a decoy camp here in the United States. Uh, you had some over in um, England or in Ireland, England and Ireland. Uh, So talk about that a little bit. And then I want to talk a little bit about like the police decoy stuff too.
0: Okay. Um, Yeah. So like for me, I went out to like all the students can come out to club. They can watch, they can suit up, like they can work their dogs. Um, So I went to Tar Heel not knowing anything about PSA. Like honestly, didn't even know it existed. I was just going there to do like police dog stuff. And I went out to the first club and like saw Jerry working his, like now level three dog um, he was just getting started back then saw like Sean working his dog that's now in the threes um, like saw some of these like you know now kind of legendary dogs in our sport like early on and saw some of these people um, like Adrian and Sean decoying and I was like what the fuck is this right <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know anything about anything but I was like dogs can they can do that and they can heal with their head up and then fucking bite and then go and do this and do that. Um, I was like, I gotta get me one of these. So, um, I quickly just found a green dog at Tar Heel and found a good one and bought it and started my PSA journey there. Um, certified as a decoy a few months later. Um, you know, pretty much was in the suit like every day, um, catching club dogs, catching police dogs, uh, certified as a decoy. I think I was 19. Ish 19 and then, um, like, been working trials since then. Um, titled my dog to a PSA 3, um, decoyed a couple nationals, right? Um, and now, like, now I've traveled to South Africa and the UK to do this sport. So, like, <laughs> I'm, I consider myself pretty lucky. Like, I work really hard at the sport and all the things that I do with dogs. like. I'm not the most physically gifted. I'm not the most talented. Um, but I, I work at it a lot. Um, and I think on the technical side and the teaching side, like I have the ability to do it, but I definitely have the ability to to teach these things to other people. So, um, I've had some pretty awesome opportunities now to, to do that and to teach these things like literally all over the world. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think like decoying um, for sport and for police dogs is probably like always going to be like the thing that I'm most passionate about, right? I like all the other stuff. Um, love to track, love to do detection, but um, nothing gets me fired up like drinking four cups of coffee and talking about white work at 8 <laughs>
2: drink four cups of coffee uh so we're gonna come right back we're gonna take a break for a second we'll be right back in just a second uh with ben lipinski from tar heel and psa to uh talk more about decoy stuff and talk about psa so don't go anywhere don't fast forward through commercials either hits canine training conference this is america's premier canine training seminar packed to the brim with the world's best instructors and me and eric all covering important topics. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. HITS 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida this year, August 16th through the 19th. And I know how you guys are. Everybody waits the last minute. And in the post-Rona world, everybody's training budgets are being cut and everybody's deciding whether they're going to be able to get to go or not. So don't wait because they're not going to have an infinite number of spots and the price goes up after a certain date. So get signed up as soon as possible. It's in Orlando. We'll see you there. Be sure to hit them up. Hits K nine letter K, number nine dot net.
1: One of the best relationships we have in this podcast and in this industry is with the great people down at Kinetic Dog Food. The story of Kinetic uh, Performance Dog Food is pretty simple. They wanted to make a better premium dog food for the dogs that need it the most. Their goal is to give every working and sporting dog a higher energy level better performance, and better overall health through superior nutrition. So they formulated a line of food based on what they considered to be the optimal profile of a performing, of performance dog. They've done tons of research on this. This isn't their first rodeo. These guys know what they're doing. If you're a kennel, they will come to your kennel. They will see the problems that you have. They will check out what works for the dogs that you have. Um, they're amazing people to work with. They drop ship a pallet right to you if you want. Um, I know a lot of guys that use them. There's a bunch of different formulas on there and 32 uh, K might not be for your dogs. Maybe the 26 K works. They can adjust it. They'll give you the right ideas what to do in different parts of the year. Winter's different than summer. It's uh, it's really a well-run good dog food um company kineticdogfood.com be sure to check them out on social media too man they're they're amazing folks kineticdogfood.com
2: By now you've probably all heard my story at least once I'm usually getting tagged by dogs or hurting myself so this next product isn't like near and dear to me because I actually use it uh quick turn by vet care it does great for keeping small things from turning into big ones. I use it at the kennel for uh, clients' dogs that have some issues with skin stuff or have food allergies or have environmental allergies. It works great, it keeps hot spots from making giant hot spots. And it keeps my working dogs who inevitably find in fact, magnificent ways to hurt themselves from turning it into a giant vet visit. It stops little issues from becoming big ones. So it comes in a spray, comes in an ointment, comes in a dressing. It's great for creating a protective barrier and promoting mood healing. You really only have to use it like once a day. So there's no reason not to have it in the vehicle. Since it's temperature stable, you don't got to worry about it getting hot, getting cold, or anything like that. So put it in your first aid kit or put it in your cabinet. VetCare.us on the internet. Quick term by VetCare on on Instagram and on Facebook. And then hit them up with the discount code 10WDR for 10% off your first order.
1: So my entire time that I was a handler or a trainer in law enforcement, the cars at my department in the departments that I trained all had American aluminum accessory kennels in the cars. Different cars, man, Dodge Chargers, all Ford models, some Chevys, uh, SUVs, cars, everything. We loved American aluminum accessories. Um, it's a great product, a great company. They've been serving a uh, canine law enforcement community for over 20 years. If you check out their uh, website, EZ, that's the letter Z, -Z EZRiderOnline.com. They got testimonials. They got videos on how-to. They got a list of everything they have. Uh, Just today, we made a post on the Working Dog Radio social media showing a dog that survived a really bad crash because of the American aluminum kennel in the back of the car. Check them out online, guys. EZRiderOnline.com. Just let them do their thing, man. Whatever car you got for your your patrol car get a hold of them, American aluminum accessories, and get the best in the business.
2: Next up comes uh, training courses online from our friends down at Highland Canine Training, Jason and Aaron Ferguson. So in the post-Rona world, uh, training budgets have been getting cut. People aren't gonna be able to travel whether it be instructors or they be canine handlers and supervisors going somewhere else for training. So Highland has announced a lot of online training courses. One of those that sticks out to me is their police supervisor canine course. And it's no secret that one of the problems with canine tends to be some of the supervision issues. This course is specifically designed for administrators and covers utilization as well as liability and FLSA issues. The course can be taken at your convenience and you'll receive a certificate of completion at the end. When you go to Tactical Police Canine Training, that's letter K number nine, training.com and use the discount code WDR30, you'll get 30% off of that course. All right, we are back working dog radio, broadcasting the bite. Uh, back with us is Ben Lipinski. We were just talking about um, decoying for PSA and police dogs and talking a little bit about that. So I'm also a uh, certified decoy with PSA. Uh, I'm a senior level decoy. And there's a, a, a misconception I think about the decoys in PSA to this day. I mean, it's 2022, we, just ha- we have a Rover on Mars that has a drone that's taking, it's taking fucking selfies on Mars. And there is still a misconception about PSA decoys that they are not skilled. And Mm. I saw it the other fucking day. And uh, I think Mondio ring, I mean, all the ring sports in PSA, the decoy requirements are fucking rough and they have gotten harder since I got certified too. And since you were certified there now, motherfuckers are carrying around tires and doing (laughs) like rope juggling and all kinds of crazy shit. Uh, but there is a misconception that the PSA decoys aren't um, skilled. So, um, talk a little bit about the skill set that's required to be successful as a trial PSA decoy. Because every I think everyone talking or listening kind of knows what you need to be successful at to be a good um, like training decoy. Um, but talk a little bit about the the trial decoy side.
0: Yeah. So, like, like number one. And number two things are always like safety and consistency. Like those have to be a given, like you have to be safe regardless of what's coming downfield, like super fast Malinois, big, slow shepherd, leg dog, upper body dog, flea bites. Like you got to be able to catch them all safely and consistently. And then like now with so many decoys coming out to camps, like um, you, you can't just be safe and consistent. You also have to be, like super powerful, uh, right out of the gate, like you got to be able to test every dog, right. And the thing now that's fucking uh, really kicking my ass is everyone's doing these three day trials with 25 dogs a day. So you're like, you're on, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday afternoon on like dog 70. And it's the threes. And you've been running around, yelling, screaming, running at dogs for three days now. And it's like, yeah like you get a you catch a dog you got a long break before the next one comes out but like it's not like you're taking your suit all the way off and like going in the ac right like we were just in arizona doing a three-day trial in march and i was like oh shit like these are hard (laughs) right so like guys have to show at these camps that they're going to be powerful all the way through from their first catch saturday morning to their last catch sunday um So like PSA decoy camps, like look them up on YouTube. There's a ton of videos now look them up on Facebook. Um, But we don't do like any of the tiers, like other sports, like, excuse me. We don't go like club level helper, regional level helper, national level helper, um, you know, like world level. We don't do ring one, two, three. You don't do like selections for, you know, higher level trials um, down the line. It's like. Either you're going to go to a camp, probably two or three camps, and you're either good enough and you pass and you're certified for everything. You can go out and work, you know, PDC, which is the entry level, all the way through the level threes um, over a multi-day trial, or you're not good enough and you don't pass. So, like, it's very common for people to have to do two or three, or I know people have done, like, four fucking camps before they pass, right? Right it's pretty rare actually that someone like passes on their first try. Like they're usually training and catching dogs for like, you know, a year or a couple years before they hit a camp and pass on their first try. And I really like that. Like we make our camps wicked fucking hard and it's like, you're either in with us and you're good enough or you're not. Right. So there's this huge like physical component at the camps of like, you know, You can only catch so many dogs when there's 20 decoys there, right? And they got to run through, you know, 12 or more different catches in a day, right? Um, And that's just a lot of fucking bites for a lot of dogs. So, um, like, we get you tired. We make you run through, like, workouts. We make you carry logs and carry tires and smash sledgehammers on tires and throw sandbags and then catch a dog, right? So now we're in a short amount of time trying to replicate like you're hot, you're sweaty, you're exhausted, right. Follow these directions. And then can you still be like technically sound when you run at and catch that dog. Right. Um, So like my four like pillars would be like safety, consistency, power, and then just an understanding of your scenarios and the rule book so that when you're mentally fatigued and you're physically tired, Like, are you going to be safe and consistent? Still bring pressure and follow the directions on the field.
1: So I, I I wanted to ask a little bit more about the decoy training, but I do have a, a question for you. Someone like yourself, who's been catching police dogs, you know, for as your job for a long time, and done a lot, a lot of dogs. You know, in a in a millisecond, in an instant, something maybe on a young dog or something when some pressure's applied a couple little things real fast that you need to do to keep that dog on there you know and we're doing it for the benefit of building the dog how in the trial say say in the level ones do you not switch how does that not automatically become a thing where you 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 know maybe just a little flex in your arm kept that dog there How, how do you not fall back into that
0: uh like i'll be honest it was super hard my first year Right. I probably worked like six or eight trials my first year. And it happened a few times where a dog wanted out of there and I maybe helped more than I should have or did something so minor that helped that dog a little bit. And like the senior decoys or the judge at the time, like chewed me out a couple of times. Right. And that's all it took was someone to be like, hey, we're not fucking doing that this weekend. Right. We are here to, you know, test the dog within the rules of the sport. And if he doesn't want to be there, he doesn't want to be there. Right. And sometimes that's like really hard because you know, these people, you've Mm -hmm. seen them on Facebook, they might be a friend of yours. And that dog starts, you know, backing out and you're like, well, we got to keep bringing that pressure. Right. Now, like with how much I've done it, like I've been trial decoying for like my seventh year, Um, done a lot of trials. Um, It's pretty automatic. Right, like once I hit that trial weekend, like I get a little bit in the zone and like I don't, you know, talk to the competitors quite as much. Like we'll socialize on Friday and then like Saturday morning, I try and just be on the field as much as possible and start to like slightly distance myself from like the people and some of my friends at the trial Um, because you know like it's part of the job is testing and if their dog or their training wasn't up to par that day, like I want to you know, the judge is the one that's going to have to tell them like, Hey, you didn't pass. They're going to have to give that hard feedback. Right. But, um, I don't want to leave any doubt. Right. And everyone that that passes, like I wanted them to have to earn it. Right. It's a very like difficult sport and earning a pass or a title at any level is like, it's a high achievement. And, you know, we pride ourselves on like having some of the best decoys in the world. Um, and, I think like if you pass a level one with like, you know, like me or Ted or Jeremy book or, you know, um, Josh Kirby on the field, like you earn that shit and people know that's not easy, right? But it is a super hard thing to switch your mindset because 98% of the time, you're getting kind of to that avoidance line and you're helping the dog, you know, recover back in, right? So like some dudes like, put in their headphones, listen to music, you know, I just try and create a little like little space from me and some of the people that are competing in the trial and just focus on like myself and the decoys and you know, once I um usually like I'm not doing the the entry level and once I once I watch like some of the other decoys get out there and like start running at dogs and doing their thing, I start to get pretty fired up really quick and then when I get on the field, I'm like, all right, yeah, like we're we're tuned in we're ready
1: now has it gone the other direction have you taken some PSA stuff back to Tar Heel when you're that you maybe weren't doing before with police dogs
0: yeah like like it's a super common question and I can't like help at like these boys schools I'm doing right now for police like there's a lot of parallels in things that we want like in terms of biting behavior, we want the same stuff. We want those full, firm, pushing grips. We want good targeting. We want like to teach the dog fended and secondary targets, right? Like in PSA, we're running downfield with like crazy distractions, which, you know, is that going to happen to your police dog? Like probably not. But wouldn't it be great if he could handle that as well as like handle, you know, trash bags and beer cans and everything being thrown at them in a, in a basement, right? It's kind of the same thing, right? Like the dog's ability to deal with pressure and unknown distraction, like whether it's on the field or in a building search or at the end of a track, like we want the same things there, right? We want the same things out of our muzzle fights, right? Um, We want, you know, hidden sleeve work, right? We want like a little bit of control, like the ability to, you know, stop that dog and call that dog back, right? like what extent you take your control and your neutrality to really is where the difference is. But like, to me, like the like good police dog should be able to pass the level one bite work, right? They should be able to, you know, do bites through distractions and do a running courage test. And they should be able to, you know, maybe do like a recall back or a redirected bite, right? Like those things should be, you know, take out the obedience side. Like those things should be like, they should be easy for like a solid police dog. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, So decoying for both, like, I still get it sometimes where people are like, Oh, like you're a, you know, he's one of those sport decoys. Like he, he presents with his arm, right? Like, yeah, man. But guess what? Like building a dog up and teaching him good behavior on the bite is teaching him good behavior on the bite. And if you think I can't like, you know, chew gum and walk at the same time, like you're wrong. Can
1: do two things right yeah we um <clears throat> i i spend more time with the police dogs that we that come through here and ted's the same way i know it is really working on those really good basic mechanics with the dog not so much i mean we do scenarios of course and all the wild stuff and putting them you know up against walls and all those stuff but i'm telling you more more than that is is back tie table uh post up with the handler or the you know jordan and i my assistant trainer of times, just him and i switching out suit running dogs and it's basic you know targeting over and over and over again because yeah. you know i i use the siggins choice paralysis term all the time because it's absolutely i don't know if he invented it or what it's perfect it explains yeah. it perfectly and so people would be surprised on the police side how little runaway bites i actually do and i know ted's the same way we're yeah. not just running through the field i mean we no. gotta do something but um wait not i talking <laughs> but not doing, every I mean, I no not every day and not every training and nah. you know i would rather just hide in you know behind a simulated washing machine and fight the dog inside that little washing machine you know rat in a tight space which is where most of the bites are going to be inside a house you know yeah. or in a vehicle or up in the bed of a truck and and things like that it doesn't necessarily need to be the the hundred yard send or the hundred foot certification type send but i also don't put i used to do this and i don't anymore is i don't put the new guy in the 120 foot send
0: yeah
1: or even 50 no. or 60 i'm not feet i'm not doing it um and, and this is something funny for you guys that are listening and are, that are running a training group and stuff we did a at canton we did a huge study we had a guy come out He's a traffic reconstruction guy that worked for the department he set up cones he had a drone flying over he had timers and lights and all this stuff set up and we did this scientific study on the dog from first it was from a dead stop then the decoy which was me one one set was one guy and then me um i think we were at 160 feet 100 something like that you know all the way down and then they timed it from the start to the um to the finish the highest speed every single dog hit and their highest amount of force they would be bringing was at 30 feet yes. after 30 feet it started to slow down a little bit and by the time it got to me people were like oh wow you did 16 dogs at 120 feet I go, that wasn't hard no you know i mean um and then we did it from a running start where they had about uh, 10, 15 yards. And then we timed it when they hit the cone, still 30 feet, 30, 35 feet max speed. So when you, when you're thinking about that, when you have a decoy and you're like, yeah, just go up, just go right, right there. It's not very far. That's not that far. 28 feet. And he just destroys that kid and he yeah. jams him and things like that. Those are little things to keep into consideration, but I've never seen a video at Ted's place of a of a handler or a new guy at 60, 70 feet, catching long frontals and stuff like that, you know? No, we don't do that shit. I mean, <laughs> I I will,
2: because it's important for the dog to do it. And it, most of the time distance is um, not visible. So if they're like super deep in a building, but they they rarely have like that fucking runway where, you know, the decoy is so far away that they can see the curve of the earth. Like the dog kind of comes over the horizon. Yeah. We, don't, we don't fucking do that. <laughs> right, um, right i've done some we did one in a handler school a couple months ago it was like a long send in an area search but still the dog like was slowed up from a tree line and not like the kmpb sends we don't do that
0: shit either uh like
2: i don't do the i want
0: i want the dog to maybe be able to lock on a target that far away and like recognize something and go there but then like i'm totally cool with the decoy just there's no reason for him to take the bite from that far just like bail around some trees into the woods, make that dog take a corner and slow them way down. But like, yeah, like the only time I'll really stretch things out like that is because I want to see the dogs like lock into a target, you know, that's that far away, right? Like not every dude's going to be right there in front of you, right? Um, But that doesn't mean they need to take a hit that's a 100 yard send, right? Like bail around something, let the dog yeah. slow down coming around the corner and then you're just taking another like back tie bite, right? Like he's right there.
1: So i got one more question then we're gonna take another break and then we're gonna get pretty heavy into the psa training side um of the dogs so a lot of a lot of police women don't get into suits you know canine girls they don't get into suits there's a lot of women that training groups that don't decoy we ted and i know several and i know you do too several really top-notch female decoys when we do we were doing HRD, or when I do other seminars, Eloise um, is a friend of ours who Eloise comes and decoys for us all the time, and I'd let her decoy any dog at any time. Um, but when you're at these camps and you're seeing it, what what do you see um, that sometimes the women are better at than the men? It might not be the power; maybe would be my guess. Yeah. But what what the way they move, or what what you see that you're like, oh yeah, she's going to do good better than clodhopper dude over here
0: yeah the really like like the really nice thing about teaching like female um females to decoy is they tend to have way less bad habits um even if they have like decoyed some and they have experience like they tend to have less bad habits and this is a thing where like anyone like firearms instructors they're like i'd way rather teach a woman right they're more one they're more receptive to teaching but like you know, dudes always try and muscle it. Like they try and muscle through everything. Sounds like jujitsu. (laughs) Yeah, like it's a good, like that might have worked for you and you might throw some dogs around in a video, but like, you know, muscling a lot of your stuff in decoy work is, you know, more risk for injury for the dog and yourself and you're burning yourself out, like doing more work than needed, right? Like really like catching a dog and, you know, applying pressure to the dog comes down to like good technique and being able to learn like the footwork and positioning for things. And like, as long as that girl, like has a little bit of balls, right. Um, and can hang in there, like in the pocket with, you know, a 80 pound dog coming at her. Um, like if, if they apply the technique, like they're going to stay upright. Right. So, you know, there might also be a piece of like, you know, this maybe it would be a good question for like female decoys like like taylor that i work with like she you know initially would fall down a lot right because she's like 100 pounds soaking wet and we know how big and fast malmoise can be so like she didn't want to be taken down anymore right whereas like some guys like bigger than myself because i'm not very big like <laughs> they might not get taken down but they're definitely not doing like good decoy technique right mm-hmm. so they might think they're okay. Right. And have this like false perception. And then like, really what we're seeing is like a lot of jams, a lot of muscling, a lot of just swinging the dog with muscle instead of absorbing through the catch and letting, if that dog goes up in the air, it's just by his own momentum. Right. So like for me, like females are um, more receptive to teaching. They have less bad habits and they're forced to learn technique better because they can't get away with just being big. One, I,
1: I thought of one last question before we go to break. Um, at the beginning of a camp, do you ever ask guys, hey, did you play sports? What did you do growing up? I, I would think being athletic growing up makes a person, because I've always said that guys that grew up playing sports are better handlers of dogs for the finesse of the leash and, and, you know, and more finesse moves like that, rather than you know, um, I trained a guy years ago who couldn't throw a ball. He literally could not. He threw it backwards before. He could only, he would throw it straight into the ground. I'm like, what are we, I was a farmer. I didn't place, I'm like, what the hell is, it's a ball. But do you find that the guys who maybe grew up athletic are better or no?
0: Yeah, definitely. It definitely helps, right? And like, I think the big thing about sports is um, like, you're used to being coached and critiqued, right? At least maybe in like the older generation. I don't know how it is today. Like it might be different. You know everyone's always doing great even if you're losing um but like you're used to being coached and critiqued and like working on a skill right so like you have that athleticism but then they're like continuing to work on on different skills right like i think some of the honestly some of the worst decoys i see are like big bodybuilder type guys right that are very rigid and isometric with their movements um and they're not like nothing screams like fluid right who's like like that but better is like your your sf guys right where they're jacked and they work out all the time but they're always learning new skills right whether it's how to work this radio or this camera or this weapon system or this drone or this dog right so they're constantly like you know like like team guys they're essentially being like trained to learn new skills right and adapt to new skills all the time so we just had a guy go through the camp last weekend who's a um in one of our you know team groups in the united states i don't know if i can say like which one um and he's jacked he's you know had no problem with the physical drills but he was super fluid right and he's always you know going to new schools and learning new skills so he's he's coachable right and that's a big big thing
1: just that's being cool all right, we're going to go ahead and take our second break. When we get back, we're going to get into, since this is working dog radio, we're going to get into the dog side of PSA, um, which is pretty fascinating to me. And uh, stick around, guys. Uh, check out the discount codes in the show notes. And make sure you didn't just walk away because you missed uh, Ben smoking down a bush latte real quick in in the, in the before we go to break. So stick around. We'll be right back. All right. We love the Perkinsons down in uh, North Carolina at Highland Canine Training. They are great people, great trainers. They got a good business model. They're awesome folks. We've been with them for a long time. Uh, They're also super smart and they understand that a lot of agencies are struggling to have manpower. So they're not sending people away for training. You guys have been there. You know, you put in denied lack of manpower. So they've created an online course section of their website, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. You get on there under training, the online course. But here's the best thing is they offer a supervisor, canine supervisor course, which we know a lot of uh, police canine supervisors don't get to go to training. They don't know as much as they should right here online. Uh, The course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs and handlers, proper deployment, effective allocation and utilization, as well as liability and the FLSA issues, which we know is where all the legal stuff comes from, interdepartmental. Uh, The course can be taken at your convenience, and you will receive a certificate of completion at the end. Uh, They're offering an amazing discount, guys. 30% off using the discount code WDR30. It's a no brainer. If you're a police supervisor and you guys have manpower issues, you can't go get on tactical police canine training.com under the training tab. Get on that supervisor's course, man. I'm telling you, it's a smart decision.
2: Another one of our favorite partnerships with the podcast here is the one and only Dogtra. The Dogtra guys have been producing some amazing tools in the dog training world for a long time everything from e collars, GPS tracking, ball trainers. If it's electric, and you use it with a dog, they've probably done it. They're the best. They are revolutionizing the way you communicate with the dog. I use it daily, whether I'm using pets. Uh, I use the 200C on most of our pets. Uh, most of my patrol guys will use a 1900 hands free, 1900S hands free. And then I use the ball popper pretty much daily with all of our detection dogs for imprinting on our box protocols. So hit them up at Dogtra Official on Instagram and Facebook. And then you've got dogtra.com. And when you go there, if you use the discount code WDR10, they'll give you 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. So if you're looking at a 1900S or that ball popper pro or one of those things, it'll knock a substantial chunk off there. So hit them up, doctor.com, WDR10.
1: So everybody knows that Ted and I uh, not only train police dogs, we train pet dogs, right? We train dogs. So It's why our relationship with Ray Allen manufacturing is so important. These guys have been doing this so long. They knew and they understand that dogs are dogs and it's not just working dog. People that need things for their dog and dog training. So you go to RayAllen.com. They have everything dog related. You need anything that when it comes to dogs, pet dogs, your pet training dogs, police dogs, dogs, you're training for other departments, anything you need RayAllen.com. Uh, they've got it you can get on there so if you're ordering stuff for police dogs and if you have a pet side you can get it all in one man they ship it out got a nice big box full of a whole bunch of stuff there's nothing better than getting a big box of dog training stuff in the mail they also are great to us and they offer a discount code working dog radio all capital letters working dog radio for 10 percent off check them out rayallen.com great people ted and i use them every day
2: Super excited to have American Aluminum Accessories on board with us here at the podcast. These guys manufacture a wide variety of products from high-quality cam locker toolboxes to an extensive line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of the law enforcement community. Around 1992, due to the demand for safe and secure transport for a local law enforcement agency's canine unit, they introduced the very first in-vehicle Easy Rider canine container. So it was basically what we now call just our inserts. They have continuously grown and expanded uh, the products, catering to the needs and the wants of their valued customers and high-profile clientele, and catering specifically to law enforcement. Over the years, as the needs have changed for law enforcement, they have evolved and expanded the products to include inmate transport systems, the canine training aids, which I use quite a bit of, canine inserts. Most of, every one of my guys has one of those things. And you know, you if you're not even have to be in law enforcement. I have several friends that are civilians that work. <laughs> Lots of dogs that have the inserts put into their cars too. So, if you got one that fits, you can do it. Uh, they also do contraband and animal control systems, just to name a few. So, be sure to hit them up. The website is Easy Rider Online. So, that's the letter E, the letter Z, as in zebra, rideronline.com. If you're looking for them on Instagram and Facebook, it's American Aluminum Accessories. Feel free to hit them up there too.
1: So, our first and oldest sponsor that's been with us from the beginning is Arno Out out at ALM, uh, out there in, in Las Vegas area. Arno is a great dude. He makes great stuff for for police work and sport work. Suits, tugs. I'm telling you right now, his tugs are the best in the business. You can't get any better. Multiple colors. Uh, I, I buy boxes of them from him and give them out to everybody. Uh, I've got a bite suit from him. Love it. I've had it for a little over three years, and it's holding up like a champ. Um, Ted's got a suit that he's had forever from ALM. Uh, we wouldn't go anywhere else, man. We love it. Arno is such a good dude. His uh, almk 9 equipment.com is the website. Get on there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom suits based on your measurements. Um, he's got stuff already, already made up. If you kind of get a kind of generic large size, maybe for everybody, the colors he has, man is really cool. He can put a lot of stuff on those suits. Uh, check them out. ALM 9 equipment.com and use the discount code WD radio for 10% off.
2: You know, running a kennel is one of those things that I always worry about is cleanliness and safety of dogs. And it's, it seems like it's an ever changing issue being able to house dogs and move things around everything else. So the guys at horizon structure make this as easy as possible. Literally the only thing you have to do is have water and power hookups and they deliver it and you can put dogs in that day. And it comes built, comes on a trailer, they just drop it off, you plug it in, put dogs in it, and you're ready to rock. You keep them clean, you keep them safe, you keep them cool in the summer and warm in the winter time. and it's completely custom. You can go complete mild to wild. I've seen some that were stainless steel all the way from top to bottom on the inside. And then I've seen some for a, a bulldog breeder that you know had smaller gates because those things can't jump. So if you reach out to them, Uh, They're sitting there waiting for you to call and help you through the custom design process. They have everything from two dog ones up to, uh, I want to say like 18 or 20. It's a lot of, you can put a lot of dogs, indoor, outdoor runs. So anything you've ever dreamed of, they've got it, have done it or can do it. So they've taken all the guesswork out of building it. Everything is pre-done to your specifications and it's assembled, dropped off, boom, you're ready to rock. Things are amazing. Uh, Rigney has one. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times. Go check out his Instagram, and you can see he's posted it up there before. Go look Horizon up at Horizon Structures, spelled out uh, on the internet. It's horizonstructures.com. And you're going to look for the link in there that says commercial dog kennels or give them a call 888 447 4337. They'd love to talk to you and get you started on the way.
1: All right, everybody, we're back, Working Dog Radio. Ted and I are sitting here with uh, Ben Lipinski uh, talking sports. This is a a sport dog episode, specifically PSA. Um, I didn't really know much about PSA before I met Ted and um, started talking to him about it. I was like, what's a PSA decoy? And then I got on YouTube and started watching some of the um, videos, you know, from trials. And I was like, holy shit, what? I can't. My dogs won't do any of that. Um, and I just got fascinated and I've learned some, a lot more from this podcast than anything, or just sitting around at an Airbnb, having a beer with Ted out of town, and asking questions about it. So I told him, I told him in the message here, I said, I'll break and we come back. You two guys can nerd out over the PSA dog training part of it. But what I do, what I am fascinated by, um, real quick is I'll ask you this one question and we, we asked it before, but. How long has PSA been around and how many PSA three dogs are there, which I'm fascinated by.
0: Yeah. So PSA, um, started in 2001. So we're in our 21st year and there are, as of, uh, as of two days ago, there are 30 PSA wow. three dogs. So That's crazy. <laughs> I was, uh, last year I was number 28. And then we had a dog 29 pass, um, end of last year. And then just this past weekend in South Africa, we had dog number 30 and that was our first international level three dog. So a dog trained somewhere other than the United States to pass uh, level three South Africa has been at it for like seven years now and Charles who started the sport over there, um, he just passed his and closed out his level three. So we're at 30 dogs in 21 years to title to the highest level.
2: And, you know, it's an interesting um, concept when, because a lot of times from the beginning, PSA was kind of presented as a crossover, right? So if you did these other sports, um, come try PSA. Like if you've titled in Mondio or French ring or whatever, right? Shutzen was a huge one or or whatever we're calling it now. American Schutzen um, come over and try PSA. And it was this, um, and this is not a knock because all of these sports are fucking hard, like really hard. And it has a lot to do with what's being judged, what's not being judged and how it's being judged. So one, cause I get this question all the time when people ask me about PSA, they're like, well, what's the difference between it and like Schutzen? I'm like, Oh, there's a ton. And yeah, a few like, things. Yeah. <laughs> to water it down. Uh, Schutzen is about precision, and PSA is about control. And I say that kind of just like as a blanket statement. Um, and it's somewhere along the line. I don't know where this happened or how this happened, but at some point PSA was sold or there was a myth started about how it's it's real life and it's testing real life. And I'm like, no, we're not like... We're no, we have to have something to fucking judge. Like, what do you No, It's not yeah. meant to mimic real life. It's not. We have things that we have to judge. So while PSA sometimes gets a knock because it looks a little chaotic, um, there is quite a bit of control more so than I would say any other uh, sports available, uh, any other canine sport like bite suit sport the control required for the dog and handler team is exceptional and the other thing that i tell people is that in psa the handler is not just there to hang out like in some of the ipo side like some of those dogs are fucking robots um not as a knock because you're training to leave it to the fucking germans to Suck the fun out of anything. And the like, it's like a 9,000 page rule book, right? And you're like counting the steps you take while fucking tracking. And I'm like, this is bullshit. And the precision required. And just look at the scores. Um, look at the scores in a, in a trial. Um, you can take the top 20 dogs and they're separated by like six points or something <laughs> ridiculous. Um, so. First and foremost, they're all hard, like really fucking hard. Um, and one thing that I hear routinely is, you know, how do I get started in PSA? Well, besides you find a good club, but dog selection is a, just like in police work, is a massive, massive undertaking that should not be taken lightly. Um, talk a little bit about that because your your dog, now he's retired, right? So he can sit on the couch and do like hood rat shit and doesn't mean he have to, he doesn't have to out anymore. <laughs> so talk a little bit about selection for PSA versus uh yeah well, I mean you can talk about the selection for police dog work but I don't want to go like too
0: far into that but um like you're totally right like to to even dream about like getting a level three you have to start with the right material like you have to start with the right dog. Um there's a variety of different types of dogs that have gotten a level three and I mean like different temperaments. Um we're still sitting at only one German shepherd out of those 30 dogs. Right. Um, the rest like Malinois and Dutchies. Um, so, you know, but I mean, even more so than that, like selecting a dog that is going to have a drive, um, they're going to have to have stamina, like some things that you can't necessarily um, like build to a certain degree. Like if that dog is, you know, a, uh, a short faced Rottweiler, like he's going to struggle with the amount of bites that are in a level two or a level three routine. Right now he might still be capable, but like you're starting at a deficit, right? Like you're starting, you know, several steps behind because you have to not only worry about difficulty of the level and the sport, but you also have to worry about your dog's just going to be gassed right on bite number 16. Um, you know, like an IPO three has like five bites. And some of those are reattacks. Like it's, it's not a lot. Right. Um, so you have to like have the right dog. That dog's going to have to have like a good nerve. Right. Um, you can't pass a PSA two or a PSA three without your dog biting through water. Right. You can't pass now without them having a good muzzle fight. Right. You can't, Pass without them being sound with any with all mechanical um, environmentals and tight spaces. Like you cannot pass a level three without those things. And then even if your dog has all that, now the question becomes: are you around enough good decoys to help you teach all these control behaviors? And do you have a club and some direction for the upper levels of the sport to be able to train that dog? Right. Like I Fortunately, selected a dog that was going to be capable of the bite work portions of this sport. Right, um, and I selected a good green dog from from Tarheel that, like, genetically and with a little bit of training, was going to be capable of biting through those like environmental stressors that are in this sport and doing the muzzle fights. And he's got the temperament and the genetics to be able to handle that. And then. If I hadn't been around like Tar Heel or a really solid club, there's no way that on my first dog at, you know, what was I 25 when I titled um, to the three, like that I was going to be able to do that, right? Most people, if they get a three, it's usually like their second dog or they've, or their dog is like mine and he was, you know, almost eight years old when he titled, right? And we'd been training it for seven years in order to, take the dog that had the ability and put the level of control on them so like selecting a dog that is going to be capable of doing it is um, paramount right now like if you don't have that dog like don't let that deter you from the sport like chances are even if you do have a good dog you might not get there so like go ahead and try it out and see if you even like this And see if you can, you know, put a PDC and a level one on the dog and see if you enjoy it, right? Because if you don't, like, the nice thing is in the US, there's a shitload of sports that you can do, right? So, um, you know, it's also like, is there going to be availability of decoys and clubs around you to help you? Because you're not going to be able to do this alone. Like, I guarantee no one that titled to a three did it, you know, with them and like one decoy. Everybody had a lot of help.
2: Yeah. And, you know, that's the, um, having been a decoy for a long time and done several trials, lots of trials. And, you know, you kind of get a, a feel, you mentioned stamina. And I have a great like kind of story about that. We did a trial in Houston, like, I don't know, six, I don't know, a while ago, five or six years ago. And, uh, it was when it was right before, I think I don't know if Megan had had her first leg of her three yet or not. I think she was trying to close out her three and, um, and it was early, I think it was in April, and all and I was the first bite in the twos and the last bite in the twos through all the scenarios and every single dog i mean came fucking mocking in on the set first bite, and then the last bites were fucking terrible um mm-hmm. like shitty grips, shitty you know sloppy targeting like it was it was bad and it was humid in Houston, it was hot right? Like some of these people lived up near like St. Louis and it was like in the thirties and it was like 65 and humid 70 humid. I think it was hotter than that down in Houston. Um, Stamina was definitely a limiting factor um, without a doubt. The other thing I want to address too, is that I hear this all the time. They're like, Oh, because it's a PSA dog, it won't bite for real. And I'm like, man, I got some bad fucking news for you. I, we have worked some, I've worked some dogs in trials, some that were going for their three that were straight, fucking street sweepers that were that are dangerous dogs uh without a doubt and um like one off the top of my head i'm thinking about is lee ray's dog uh the fuck was that dog's name Kilo. yeah silo yeah silo yeah, yeah that dog is gnarly and everyone's like oh because he's got a sport title means he's not gonna bite anybody i'm like the fuck <laughs> it does like man <laughs> no I, I hear that a lot. They're like, oh, it's got, it comes from sport lines or it's this or it's that. And I'm like, man, I've got bad news for you. Like those dogs don't give a shit what you are wearing. <laughs> if you're wearing a suit, if you're not wearing a suit, we use hidden equipment. We use muzzles. And man, it gets, it, it, some people get super heated about it. I'm like, "Well, I mean, come out and try it. If you don't, if you don't believe me, don't do it. I, it doesn't matter to me. But um, yeah, you know, finding a club and finding the decoys and starting with the right dog makes a huge difference. PSA is hard enough as it is people come to me, they're like, I want to title a boxer. I'm like, I, okay. I hey, mean- just
0: don't start yourself at that deficit, man. Like I'm telling you, right. Um, My, my girlfriend right now, she's into like bullies and pit bulls. Right. And, but she's aware of it. Right. She's like, I just like this breed. Right. So we're doing bite right. work with our American bully. And it's like, you're just like for the dog's short little face and heavy body to open up enough to, strike a bicep on six foot four two eighty Sean Siggins right like it's hard that alone is hard now have the obedience and the control and the nerve in that dog like just getting that dog to open up enough to bite that giant NFL lineman coming downfield in a bite suit like that's hard right so like if if it's something that like you know i hate making generalizations but if you want to be seriously competitive it's like just get a malinois or a really well-bred german shepherd like don't you know tell people all the time i'm like don't try and be different just be good right unless it's like if you just want to have fun with it that's awesome right and you know i wanted to mention with your like you know sport dog that won't bite for real thing or you know dog can't do sport because he's too real like these generalizations are ridiculous like at the end of the day they're they're a dog right and they know what you teach them to know right like they're he only knows he doesn't know he's a sport dog he just knows this is what we do when we go out to train right like my dog would have been capable of doing any sport or any line of police work we just happened to choose to do this one right and that's what we focused our time and our energy on so it's like Are there sport dogs that will (laughs) fight anyone? Yeah. Are there sport dogs that will nuke you? Yeah. Are there police dogs that, you know, could do both? Yeah. Are there police dogs that, like, don't bite people? (laughs) Yeah. Like, it all comes down to what you train them to do. And if you, uh, like, have good help in that training and you know what you're doing with it, too. Like, it's the dog doesn't know what he is. He just comes out and does shit that he likes. Or that
1: you teach him to do, Ted. You earlier you said that people say that originally the oh, PSA. And it's more like real life. If you live like in the Thunderdome, or or like on Tatooine, and you're at the bar with all those weird characters, you know something like that's a nerd reference for you Star Wars people. But if if you I was like, what the fuck? just go back and watch some of the videos, so a follow up question to my number of PSA three: How many of the thirty? How many trainers are trainers and handlers, whatever that have titled more than one or titled put more than one in the threes.
0: So you have uh, my boss, Jerry Bradshaw has three level three dogs. Two of those happening back in the early two thousands where it was like a totally different sport then. still very hard, but now the level of training has like, caught up to the sport and they've made the sport more difficult to like, kind of keep it the most challenging thing around. Right. Um, in my opinion. Right. Um, and then a dog he titled, uh, just last year in the level three. So he's been competitive and been titling level threes, three of them for the whole time. And then you have John Katz has three level threes and Janet Edwards has two. Right. Um, everyone else just has, yeah. Everyone else just has one level three dog and like, that's plenty. Just, yeah. It'll be, if I get another one, it'll be like a minimum of another four or five years. Like I don't even have a a puppy to work right now. So it'll be another four or five, six years before I do it again. If I ever do like, you know, it's uh not a given, right? Life might get in the way. You might get that dog till like five years old and then he, you know, like, like, Ted, you know, uh, Stacy and Tuco, like, that dog busted yep. so many teeth, fractured his jaw, like, eventually healed and was able to finish it. And then, you know, unfortunately, the dog shortly passed away shortly after. And, like, there's been plenty of people that are five, six years into the journey, and then the dog, you know, kicks the bucket and you don't get to finish. Like, it's it's a daunting journey, and you have to just like it. But that's, like, for me, that's what's so intriguing about this sport is it's not something I'm going to just do for three years title to the threes try and make a nationals or a world team run oh we didn't get it next dog right and then those dogs are like effectively retired by three or four right like by three or four I was just starting with my dog yeah. and then we we're continuing to train all the way up until like eight years old right and if I wanted to like he's healthy enough we could keep running Level three trials because no two are the same, so it w- would continue to be fun, right? I just want to retire him in healthy condition and let him, you know, ride the couch and not out anymore.
2: That's an interesting state uh, because I, I somebody asked me this um, last at uh, Blue Line. I had somebody ask me this, and you're like, why aren't there any? Because uh, there, there's tons of working police dogs that are that have an IPO or whatever we're doing now. One, two, or th- whatever. Um, and there are plenty, there is a lot that have PH1s, um, right. which from the KMPV program. And somebody's like, Why aren't there any like PSA dogs doing? I'm like, Cause PSA is fucking hard. Like, I I think, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one wants to fucking buy them. They're like, I mean, I think
1: Georgia. Well, Estes people want has, to buy them. Nobody wants well, to sell them, I bet.
2: Well, right. there's that too. But they are kind of like NVBK dogs where normally the dog that the handler, the dog retires with the handler. I, there's very, I don't think there's any cases where, um, somebody, the dog ends up somewhere, uh, well, I can think of at least one, but it's an isolated incident. But you know, like those dogs usually, the same thing with like NVBK dogs, like they'll do, you know, 14 trials or something for their three, kind of the same deal. And then by the time they're like eight or nine, they retire and they're like, yeah, just sleep on the dude's couch. And, cause it's fucking hard. Not that there's a knock against um, like IPO or, P- or the PH1 program, the KMPV program. Uh, but the KMPV program is designed to kind of like prep those dogs for police work, right? So yeah. that title has meaning to some trainers, and if that were the case, that has to be done fairly early uh, for it to be valuable. Same thing with some of the IPO stuff. But you know, I've seen dogs that are twenty four months old with an IPO three, and I'm like, shit. I've seen <laughs> in dogs in PSA that are like four years old and have a P- don't have a fucking PDC yet, and yeah. so I'm like, bro. But they're like, oh, I don't, and that's the thing. Like, I don't think people understand. like, it's fucking hard. Like, you, even with the right dog in the right club, it is still, like, a very, uh, to even get a one is a, can be a daunting task for some people, so.
0: Um, That, like, yeah, like, there's never been a level three dog that has been sold, right, that I'm aware of in PSA. Uh, If there is one, I don't. I don't know about it. It might've been a long time ago. Um, There's never been (laughs) years that has been sold. Um, Me and John Katz, who I think you guys had on like a good while ago. Yeah. Um, It was like
2: episode number four early.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like a long time Um, ago, you know, listeners, you should go back and and check that out. But me and John were in South Africa together and we were talking about um, like, would you ever title a dog in this for someone else? And he actually had a guy approach him and like, seriously ask him to pick out a dog, train it to a three for him, right? Kind of like like gun dog guys would do, like like horse people would do. And he said, like straight up, he goes, minimum $100,000. Like, it's just, it's going to take years of my life and I'm probably going to have to go buy you three dogs and work them all for a couple of years to figure out which one I'm going to pursue it with. And you're going to pay me, 50,000 up front, and then another, you know, 20,000 for every title that we get. And I'll try and get you a three. Right. And I was like, yeah, man, like, probably All the right, same. That's fair. Like, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> you're not taking on that journey for someone else. Like, I do it because I like it. Like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna like do this sport to title dogs and sell them for money. It's too much work.
1: But how about the PSA breeding program? When's that going to be official? What do we,
0: uh, I mean, think about it. That's, that's a viable option. Yeah, There's quite a few like good breedings happening within the sport um, of, you know, titled dogs of level three, level two dogs. Like there's starting to be now like multiple generations of dogs that are titled. um, We have some father son combos of level three dogs. Like, I think like if this sport keeps growing at the rate it's like, it could be a vi- very viable option of like solid nerve dogs with good grips that can take pressure and take stress from the handler for breeding for police in this, in this country. Yeah, right? I was
2: going to say, that's what I was like, that's what I want.
0: <laughs> yeah, I want some of those young ones. Yeah, that give, don't...
1: give Ted and us the high <laughs> sign when that shit starts.
2: Yeah. Cause uh, then, yeah, that might actually can... get
1: puppies if that's the case
2: that's where it's at. Cause that's what we need. And, you know, and that, that's ultimately what I think, because when we had Jonathan on, um, man, that's been a while. Jeez. Episode four or five was something, it was less than 10. And, yeah. you know, we talked, he was like, and they, he was just talking about, I don't remember which litter it was, but like, I think it would made a cougar litter or something. But he said, you know, uh, this is like one of the first PSA, like you no god no, this just kidding fucking duco too jesus christ unicorn um and he uh but it was one of the very first litters that was like this purposely bred for like with from dogs that had psa titles i don't remember which litter it was i have to go back and listen to it now if johnson's yeah. listening to this he's gonna
1: fucking send me an inbox and yeah. <laughs> yeah that might be one of the episodes that fell off at the front that we can't find on itunes I don't know. Uh, first, right, yeah. first few of them are, aren't on there anymore. I guess, I don't know. Must not have paid iTunes or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> Weird. So I have a question real quick. Um, how many official PSA clubs are there in the country in this? Well, in the, in the world.
0: Okay. So this is, uh, interesting. Right. And I don't want to like, fuck, I don't know who's even going to listen to this episode. Probably no one. Right. Cause I'm <laughs> no one, but, um, there was a podcast done recently by two of the most prominent dog trainers in our in canine right in dogs and they brought up PSA at the end as like an afterthought of dog sports like they talked about ring they talked about Mondio they talked about um IPO right I think they even talked about like fucking dock diving before they brought up PSA right and they're like oh you know Sports like definitely not going anywhere, it's growing right. And what I was that guy like yelling in my car, right? Like, what are you talking about? Like, this sport is huge now, right? Um, you can go online, right? And people can do this themselves, and you can look up the North American ring clubs and they're like French ring clubs, and there's like 35 on their website. Right. And you can look up Mondio's clubs in uh, the United States and there's like 25, right? PSA has like 86 active clubs in the United States, right? 86, that's more than ring, French Ring and Mondio combined, right? And something like, something around 20 international clubs that are active and we lost a lot in India and Australia during the um, COVID pandemic. Um, but those will they're going to activate again. We just had um, like like Pat Stewart's going to keep um, PSA going in Australia, and then we just had a guy from India fly to the United States to do decoy camp. So they're going to keep going and they're going to grow. So we're sitting at over 106 clubs. In the world, right, and over 140 certified decoys in the world, right. That that is dwarfs, not that many. That, that dwarfs the other suit sports, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. 140 but, is not that many, dude. It's, Welcome. it's it's enough
0: to fulfill all of our trials. Yeah, but like, right, but shit. Yeah, like it's still an It's still a like coveted thing to get, right?
1: What so? I'm always interested in the dynamics of this type of stuff with clubs. So is there shit talking amongst clubs and do any of, of them go to a trial and wear matching jackets like they're hell's angels or something like that? And three, if Jerry goes to another club, is he like, Is it like Sonny Barger showing up the founder of the hell's angels and, and everybody's just in awe that that dude's there
0: anyways, answer in whatever order you want so yeah of course there's like there's drama within clubs and there's drama between clubs right and that's not PSA exclusive and you know like my thing is that's not dog exclusive like people in any niche group of like a passion there there's politics there's drama there's fucking problems with any time that you get a group of people together that are passionate about something like talk to you know talk to fighters they're like you know oh, this guy started training with him and then he switched to training with him. And I hear he's doing his striking with this guy, right? Like talk to horse people, talk to motocross people. Like they all say the same stuff. So yeah, there there is that, right? For the most part, people um, are extremely polite and everyone's supportive of each other, like on trial day, because first and foremost, you're competing against the sport. Um, you know, maybe in like lower levels, you're like trying to beat, um you know other people's scores um when you're getting into like the threes you're just trying to pass you don't give a shit about any score you're just trying to pass and you know buy your dog a you know steak dinner right um and unfortunately there are clubs that have the matching jackets um that's not that's not for me so much um and then i'm not bagging
1: on him i I told ted i envision like the scene in anchorman where all the news teams come down and they're getting ready to fight and they're like
0: nationals then killed a guy with a trident you know or something like that afterwards (laughs) nationals can be like that and it's just like a pride thing right it's like uh, i want to rep my group and i'm proud of my group right um yeah it seeing jerry at events where people don't see him a lot like i work with the man every day but like sometimes like we were we were at a trial somewhere last fall together in like the middle of the country i think we were here in missouri and someone walked up and was like are you jerry and he's like yeah and he's like can you sign controlled aggression and i'm like is this dude really asking jerry to sign his book right (laughs) before he's getting ready to compete (laughs) and you know he signs it he talks to the guy and i'm like i i work with the guy every day he's my boss he's my friend he's my Mm -hmm. training director right so it's just kind of like oh it's just jerry right but sometimes yeah people are like oh my god like it's it's fun so you don't come over and be like oh my god like thank you so much for creating this thing right because now that's like cool. thousands of people compete in it right like there's a couple thousand active members right that's the other thing i didn't mention is like active members we have like a couple thousand people that are actively like competing in it and training in it right
1: that's that's really cool man i, I... I like hearing all that and the growth of it. And
0: Eric, I got it, I got one for you. Yeah. Um, you ever think about doesn't have to be PSA, but you ever think about competing in anything now that you're done with like policing?
1: Yeah, I'm competing with um, every, enough hours in the day right now is what I'm getting, you know, <laughs> this whole twenty four hour clock. But uh, actually, actually, uh, I just to get to do something away from dogs i started doing jujitsu. Oh, There you I'm, go. I've only been going for since february so not, not that long but um i'm 52 so if i get if i progress and get better i can i'll actually probably do some competition in that in my age group. And yeah. um so that that'll be something different. I'm just, I am trying to do some things outside of dogs.
0: I think that's like super good, right? Maybe you don't maybe you don't want to you know, fill your free time with dogs too, right? Sometimes I uh, I wish I did a few more things yeah.
1: outside of dogs, right? Skiing and, you know, my plan this year was to do a lot more wakeboarding, but last year I got a couple concussions at the end of the year from it. And I'm probably, I probably should be done trying to flip and do stupid stuff on a wakeboard because um, I'm old, but um, so yeah, I'm just trying to, do things outside of dogs you know because like when we're done here in a few minutes i leaving going to the kennel take care yeah. of dogs it, it never ends um i tried to think and you guys could you guys can appreciate this a friend of ours we were at lunch with my wife and i and she says can you or have you ever gone through a day without saying the word dog like even if you were on vacation in in south america could you not say the word dog i'm like i don't i don't think so I don't think that would ever be a possibility. yeah. I, I don't not a so. chance. <laughs> Even if fuck, I hate dogs. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it, it, <laughs> was which, it was which something which I have
1: said, not, and it's usually yeah. I've said that. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's hard to do, but yeah. I, I I appreciate people that do it, man. Whatever people's passions are, you know. There was a uh, over the winter. Um, there was a there's a guy local to me who is in a Mondio Ring Club, and they they brought in a, um, a decoy from overseas and he uh, they used my, I know this because they used the fun house because it was middle of winter. They used my building and there's this huge room where you can work on some, some distance. And they had him up there and there was just a bunch of people up there. Some had started and had been doing a little bit, some had no experience at all, but they're all passionate about it. It was cool to, it was really cool to see those people uh, get into something that they enjoyed. You know, I sat downstairs and took naps on the couch, but because for sure, you know, not my thing. I was my goal was to try to snipe one of their dogs if 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 he looked really good, but maybe too much for them or, uh, you know, I don't think he'll He barks a lot. I don't think he'll make a podium. Throw him in the van. You know, that type of thing. But uh didn't happen. Didn't see any. So where are you headed next after this?
0: Um, so in Missouri this week and then back to work in North Carolina, I got a PSA trial in North Carolina. And then I have a, another decoy school in Washington state in May as well. That's at the end of the month. Right. Um, that one's pretty jam packed, right? I heard we have like 15, 20 decoys, um, coming to that. It's a police school, um, and then, uh, doing a muzzle fighting um, seminar with Jerry in North Carolina right after that one. Um, and that's going to be for sport and law enforcement, anyone that needs better, better muzzle work. So I imagine it'll be a lot of uh, Jerry talking and me getting beat up. Yeah. Uh,
1: here's, here's how you don't let him punch you in the face. Yep. I am. C- mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Ted, Ted, did you say that you're the, the psa one you're doing is in the bay area like san francisco bay area
2: uh it's in san jose
1: oh okay Um, yeah that's gonna
2: be Um, hot well i'm from oklahoma it's all hot (laughs) i don't care Uh, i'll be fine of course it's fucking 40 degrees here today so like we're 20 degrees below normal so i'm like i had a fucking sock dogs like it i'm over it uh yeah i don't mind i do better in the heat anyway but yeah it's uh, it's the end of it's the end of may um Tony Matthews is the one that is bringing me out um I think it's the
0: yeah, you'll um, be out there with Steve Roberts,
2: yeah you know, going
0: to the judge that will be fun
2: yeah i decoyed ju- i decoyed under him when he was in Oklahoma City too, so he's another p s a three club mm-hmm. guy what's it he had a Dutch. what's his Dutchy's name? I don't remember the dog's name Fosco yeah, that's right, yeah, no, I like Steve. He's got the best accent in the fucking world. That's another dog
0: that, like, he had live bites.
2: I I believe it.
1: (laughs) I believe
0: that.
1: (laughs) 100%. Ben, we're going to wrap up. Do you have anything you want to plug? Any social media of any kind?
0: Yeah, like, uh, I'm just Ben Lipinski on Facebook and Instagram. uh, Or it's like Ben.Lapinski, but you'll find me. And then I have a um, Patreon now. Um, for decoy work so what i'm doing with that is making like instructional and informational like decoy videos um and trying to like go in depth on very specific skills um with decoy work like i have one on there about muzzle fighting and um some drive theory Hey, hold on hold um, on on, one second, on there Hold on one sec. When you started to give your social media, it got all robot-y.
1: So we're going to go ahead and ask you again. Do you have any uh, social media you want to plug? Start that part over for me.
0: Yep. So I'm just uh, Ben Lipinski on Facebook and Instagram. Um, or I think it's Ben.Lipinski on Instagram. And then the big thing now I have a, a Patreon account. It's just uh, Ben Lipinski Um says like Ben Lipinski is making decoy videos um where I'm making like instructional videos for decoys um Mm -hmm. each video like goes through different specific skills right like I have a video on there about teaching muzzle fighting um like drive channeling a video on just like different ways to induce countering in the dog's bite um you know I'm doing some right now on like targeting or working a defensive dog like there's going to be um stuff on there for sport for police uh a lot of stuff on developing dogs and i'm trying to put like like two videos up a month on that um i made it like super cheap to subscribe um i just didn't want to put stuff out like totally for free where you get all the people in the comments that are like oh i would never do that i'm like i
1: didn't
0: i didn't ask like i'm just
1: (laughs) posting (laughs) content for
0: those who want it so The $3 fee is basically just to weed out people that don't want to watch. Um, If you can't, if anyone wants to get on there and they can't afford the $3, like just send me a message and I'll send you all the videos, right? Like I just want to put stuff out for people that want to learn and maybe they're not around someone that can mentor them or they have like specific issues. A lot of the videos I'm going to be going through like specific issues with dogs. Like, you know, I got one I'm going to be working on. That's like, a dog with major foot sensitivity like you can't touch him or he fucking pops off like working through that dog um so that's like the probably the big promotional thing is my patreon um that's pretty new to me so um i'm, I'm getting better and better at it each time but again like it's it's very cheap
2: and, and for the people listening it is not an easy platform to use for other for on our side because so we have one <laughs> it's a fucking pain in the ass it's easy if you're like a customer but yeah. on our end it is not easy yeah it's not easy that's it
1: man. Just, uh, ben Levinsky, cool. everything, man i think i'm gonna have my my guy jordan look onto that because he's he's a decoy who works he decoys for me i've been teaching him stuff as we go but i've i've said this on here a lot that i'm uh um i consider myself to be a really good decoy and i suck at teaching decoys Cause they just just do it. You just do yeah. this, you know what I mean. And and Ted's way better at that than I am. But I I, I can do all that stuff. I just can't translate it. You know, it, it's strange. So I, maybe I'll get him on there to get him to learn anything. Some stuff yeah. from somebody else too, which is nice. And doesn't hear me chirping in his ear. um Ted, how about you? Where are you at? Are you uh, Ted on?
2: underscore Summers on the Instagrams. Uh, Torchlight Canine Letter K Number Nine. And torchlight pets. If you want to see pictures of cute pets, uh, we had a dog. Speaking of, right now, is the worst case of learned helplessness I've seen in fifteen to seventeen years. Uh, any leash pressure, the dog just fucking melts and screams for hours, like the sight of a leash. So um, we're gonna have some transformation videos. My trainers have gotten up him up, fucking walking around, yielding leash pressure. He's fucking hopping around, acting all happy and stuff now. So of course, it's a pit bull. Yeah go figure uh but that'll be on Twitch Slide pets uh hrd police canine for the hrd side and then of course for the podcast working underscore dog underscore radio uh is our this one for the podcast but yeah and you're aware still at van K nine,
1: still van as canine, van as canine on instagram for police dog stuff uh K canine ohio for the pets working dog is the website we've got merch and stuff on there check your look we have some cool t-shirts we I keep saying this every episode, we got to come up. We got some new designs kind of floating around in our heads. We just got to get them out, get them tested out and, and try them. Um, what do I have? I'm going to the mountain States, uh, canine competition and seminar teaching up there in may third week of may in Colorado at, uh, Fort Carson. That should be, that should be fun. Um, other than that, that's it. Police dogs, man, and pet dogs every day, all day, every all day. day. Yes. Yep. So, Ben, thanks for getting back with us, man. I yeah, appreciate man. you. Uh, again, I, I don't know. What that, electronics, man, that stuff got all screwed up last time. Yeah. So I appreciate it. Uh, Ted, uh, Ben, we'll see you. You guys have a great day. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Yeah, man. yeah. Get better.
2: Got your reasons, I got my walls. Still got that feeling, but I'm too to Working Dog Radio today. was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.